Welcome to Whitechapel Church Online. You're currently listening to preaching from our Sunday services. We believe that when the preaching happens, that collectively we're hearing the Word of God, and that God's Word has the power to change who we are. We also believe that God can meet you right where you're at, and that He has a Word specifically for you. We hope that you enjoy today's sermon, and we would love to have you at an in-person service. Head over to whitechapelchurch.com to get more info. Enjoy the sermon, and be blessed. Um, did you know that we're like three days away from fall? We were talking about it up in the, while we were praying. It's, it's wild. We're three days away from fall, and... We're not going to feel the effects of that change probably until January or February, <laughs> right? Amen. Hello, Florida people. If you're watching online, it'll probably get colder wherever you're at. But right here, we won't feel the cold gust of wind until probably January. <laughs> yeah, legit. But, you know, whatever. Anyways, I, I just thought I'd bring that up because today I'm going to be talking about the seasons of life. And in the Bible, we talk about how there's seasons in life, right? And, and in Ecclesiastes 3, um, Solomon, he, he says, there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. There's a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down, a time to build up, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace, a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silent, a time to speak, a time for love, a time for hate, a time for war and a time for peace. There's a lot of seasons, right? A lot of actions and seasons. And so today, I want to talk about how really you can't control the seasons, right? It's going to be fall in three days. You can't control that. It's not going to be cold. I promise you that. And you can't control that either. But what are your actions for the seasons of your life? I think that that's really important, right? Some of us can be on mountaintop seasons. Things are really good. Things are awesome. You have lots of reasons that are right in your face to praise God. And some of you could probably be in a season of discouragement, realistically. Can I say that today? Is that okay? Yeah? Is that hitting home at all? Are we done already? (laughs) Okay. We got a lot to get through. But I want to give us some stuff today that God, God would say, here are some actions, whether you're in a high point of life, whether you're in a low point, or whether you're like somewhere in between, you're just kind of on autopilot. Are you ready for that today? Yeah? Okay, cool. God has something he wants to say, say to us today. And just so you know, the Lord put this sermon in my heart for me just as much as he did for you. So I'm not preaching at you. Like, God gave it to me weeks ago. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm not doing that. I need to do that. So let's get into it today. And um, I just... You know, the beginning of that section in Ecclesiastes, Solomon says there's an activity, right? There's an activity under heaven for every season. An activity, that's an action word. And Solomon, he means people's deliberate, willful actions, right? And farther down in Ecclesiastes 3, in verse 17, Solomon says, For these willful acts, people will be held accountable. And I don't know about you, but when I'm going to be accountable for something, I want to know about it, right? Like, I'm glad I knew I was preaching today, right? 
Thank God we have an organized lead pastor who's like weeks in advance, hey, you're going to be preaching. If I just showed up and he was like, it's you today, I'd be like, what? <laughs> right? Like, if you're responsible for something, you want to know. If you have um, some bill from the government, you want to know, right? It's nothing worse than like an unexpected bill. Oh my gosh. You want to know. Does that make sense? So we're accountable for our actions. We're responsible for our actions in every season. You're not always accountable for the season that you're in, but you are always accountable for the actions that you have in those seasons, okay? That's a word. All right, so we're going to get into it. Today, I'm going to be reading from 2 Corinthians 4. That was just the setup. There's actions for every season. That's what Solomon says. But I think Paul's life is going to teach us something about how to act in every season. And in in 2 Corinthians 4, um, just some background on 2 Corinthians, uh, Paul has written a few letters to the Corinthians, and there's a few that we don't have, right? This is probably his fourth one. That's what a lot of scholars believe. So if you didn't learn anything, you learned that today. Um, And Paul, to be honest, his relationship with the Corinthians was rocky, right? His leadership has come under attack, and there's people who have risen to leadership in the Corinthian church, and they're kind of saying, oh, he's not really an apostle, or they're kind of saying, oh, no, you've got to abide by the law, and Paul has been, of course, teaching Jesus and the grace of Jesus above the law, right? And so lots of people have come against him in his time with the Corinthian church and his relationship with them, but this letter people have kind of come back under his leadership. And so he's trying to restore relationship with the Corinthian church. He's trying to cement um, the relationship that he has with them. So Paul is writing, affirming his message and his ministry. He's cementing his restored relationship with Corinth, and he's forgiving people that opposed him. And he's reflecting on the nature of ministry. Okay, so that's the background leading up to all of this. He's reflecting on the nature of ministry. And so we're going to get right into it, the actions for every season. I'm just going to read this whole chapter, okay? I know that sounds hectic, but I know it's early. You haven't done your Bible reading yet. If you have, you get extra gold stars. Awesome. But if you haven't, we're going to go through 18 verses real quick. It's not going to take forever. I'm not going to apologize. It's the Word of God, whatever. You got this. Ready? Okay. 2 Corinthians 4 says in verse 1, Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for, Christ, for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine in the darkness, has made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We're hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. 
Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead, we will also raise with us Jesus and present us with you to himself. All of this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Last little bit here. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Amen. That's the word of God. For Paul, ministry meant both intense suffering and comfort. Right? That's like, that's a paradox, right? Oh, I'm suffering, but I'm also comforted. Physical and emotional suffering came from the situations and people that he worked with, but he also had knowledge of future reward, and his experience of the power of God working in him brought profound joy. Paul has to deal with the fact that he's suffered for Christ, right? He's been beaten for Christ. He's almost been killed a few times for Christ. And eventually, if you know the story of Paul, he is killed for the gospel. And in the midst of that, he even has bodies of believers coming against him. Hectic. (laughs) That's wild, right? So he's got suffering, but he is also taking heart in the fact that he has comfort in the eternal reward, comfort in eternity, in what is unseen. I think there's something really valuable for, that, for us in that, especially when we think about our own lives. So a room of this size, this full, there's any number of seasons going on. I, th- I feel pretty good, a little overwhelmed at times, but ultimately, I, I think when I look at some of the things people face in this world, things are good for me, right? But some people, man, maybe you're going through it, God wants you to know that you can, you can live in the tension of suffering and comfort. He has something for you in all of that. Amen? So we're going to talk about some actions for every season. And I'm going to start, number one, first thing, recognize your season. It says in verse one, therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. You don't have to be a pastor to be a minister. Did you know? Did you know? Anybody? Yeah, come on, you got a ministry. In fact, the only requirement for you to have a ministry is to be a Christian. Where are my Christians at? Come on, ministers of the gospel, let's go. You do not have to be a pastor to be a minister. You're a minister. And so through God's mercy, we have this ministry. We're not going to lose heart. That's it. That's the requirement. You have a ministry. God has something for you to do. Amen? Amen. He does. Solomon said there's a time for every action. You can't plant at harvest time, right? You can't plant at harvest time, and you can't sow when you should be reaping. That doesn't make sense. For all the ag students in the room, they're like, yeah, obviously, totally. Can't plant at harvest time. You can't sow when you should be reaping. Take a second and really evaluate the season that you're in. It helps to always be aware of this. The only way you can get where you need to go is to know where you're at, right? You can't get where you need to go if you don't know where you're at. Like, like directions, right? When somebody calls you and they're like, how do I get to Walmart? And you're like, where are you? <laughs> you need to know where you're at. Hey, maybe in the season you're in, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like you're where you want to be. Maybe you're facing persecution like Paul was. 
You know, maybe you're facing a season of waiting. Maybe you're just discontent. Maybe God wants it to be a season of preparation for you. I think it's important to weigh these things. I think it's important for you to know where you're at in life. Recognize the season you're in and give it to God. Is God preparing you for the ministry that he's called you to? Remember, we're all called to a ministry. What has he called you to? Is he preparing you for it? Does he need to encourage you in it? There's something for you to do. Christians are called to ministry, and ministry happens in every season. Yeah? We're ministers of the gospel in the good and the bad times. This is why Paul says we don't lose heart. We don't lose heart. We're not discouraged. We remember we're on mission. Amen? We're on mission. That's right. We can't lose heart. You've got to recognize the season you're in. You've got to remember that you're on mission. You've got to recognize what ministry looks like for you in the season that you're in. It's different for every one of us. You know, you can look to people, you can be encouraged by people, you can emulate people, but God has something for you to do, specifically for you to do. Amen? Amen. Okay. Recognize the season you're in. Number two, renounce old ways. Verse two, rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. Oh, man, renouncing old ways is kind of hard, right? Like, in seasons of hardship, I feel like I always go onto autopilot. I default to, like, I'm going to try harder. LeBron James. I'm going to try harder. It's me. It's on me, you know? But that's not the Christian life. Man, in every single season, in the hard seasons and in the good seasons, I have to decide I'm going to renounce the old me. I'm going to decide, you know what, I actually have to put on the new creation and I have to say, I can't do things the way that I used to do them. Do anybody get stuck in that loop? I get stuck in the loop all the time of trying to do things the way that I used to do them. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. You're a new creation in Christ. (laughs) Man, my notes say, you're a new creation, but you can still be fighting old demons. Yeah? Remember when I got saved? It was amazing. I was like so on fire for God, like immediately. It was like two weeks every day finding any church where the doors were open. I was in. I was ready to go. Even went to the Spanish church on Friday nights, and I had no clue what they were saying, but I knew the presence of God was there, right? And I was like, I need to be there. And legit, like I was there. But that doesn't mean I was perfected. Like there there were parts of my life that were wretched and still needed to be sanctified, Amen? And it's still like that. There's still parts of my life that God says, hey, you better watch that attitude. Hey, that thought, not cool, right? And so God is always saying, hey, renounce that old way in you and put on the new man, right? And for you women, put on the new woman. (laughs) Amen? Amen. For all of us. Man, God's so good. We are always becoming more like him. We are. So we're not the same person like before Christ. You might have some of the same struggles, but no, you're not the same. You're being transformed into the likeness of Christ with ever-increasing glory. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, And we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of God are being transformed into the same image from one degree to another. From one degree to another. You are growing holy. It may not always feel like it, 
but you just got to keep renouncing the old person you were. Amen? Every season, renounce the old person. All right, number three. Actually, there's something I want to say about renouncing the old person. Sanctification can feel really rough. But I want you to remember, even when you're in a hard season, hardships make you holy. Hardships make you holy. What did James say? James said, count it all joy when you face trials of various kinds, right? Hardships make you holy. They produce perseverance in you. They change who you are at your core. God wants you to learn from the season you're in, okay? So put off the old person. Be like, nah, I don't, I'm not doing it the old way. Decide today. I'm not doing it the way I used to do it. It belongs to God. I'm putting on the new creation. Amen? Hardships make you holy. All right, number three, realize it's not about you. For what we preach, and this is in verse five, it says, for what we preach is not ourselves, but Christ Jesus is Lord, and we ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. Man, I, I have to do this one every day. Confession, lots of times in my heart, it's about me. What do I want to do? What do you have for me, God? Anybody been there? Yeah. Every day. Yeah. But it's not about me. It's about Jesus. We're ministers of the gospel. It's about what he's called us to. It's for his glory. It's for his sake. Amen? It's for other people, even. After him, it's for other people. And then maybe for us, right? We get the scraps. <laughs> but lots of times, when we put ourselves first, when, when we think it's about us, Man, those hard seasons, they're really, really hard because all we do is focus on ourselves. All we do is think about what's happening to us, what's going on inside of us. This is unfair. This isn't right. Why am I having to suffer through this? When you realize it's not about you, man, it's like a weight just lifts right off of you. You ever notice the people that think about others? They're just so light. The people that care for other people, they put the needs of others before themselves. They're, they're just lighthearted, and God takes care of them. Man, thinking about others tends to minimize the hurt that you carry about your own situations. We're blessed, right? We came into church freely today. I mean, it, it might have been rough. It might have been trouble getting the kids ready this morning, getting the shower. Like, maybe you woke up a little late. Like, you're a little disgruntled. Maybe you had an argument in the car before you got here, something like that. But guess what? Like, nobody's dropping bombs on us today. Right? Nobody's going to cut our heads off when we walk out the front door. We, <laughs> right? Think about that. Think about that. Man, we could be anywhere. When you realize it's not about you, you think about other people. Man, oh, what a day. I had coffee this morning. That's awesome. Some people have never tasted coffee. That sucks. <laughs> Count it joy. Come on. It's not about you. So Philippians 2, 3, and 5 says, do nothing do nothing at all out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ. That's hard. 
Paul goes on to talk about how Jesus was God, right? He was God in flesh. And he didn't use that as a platform to not serve others, right? How many times do we use our privilege as a platform to just not serve people? But God didn't do that. He came down in the flesh, incarnate. He said, you know what? I'm going to come. I'm going to wash some feet. I'm going to heal the sick. I'm going to hang out with the outcast. Take care of others. If Jesus himself, being God, came down and he didn't use his privilege to lord it over people, then how dare we do, this, do, do anything but that? That's kind of hard because we're all guilty of it sometimes, right? Man, are you encouraged? <laughs> We can win the season we're in. Look, if you're in a hard season, you can win the season you're in if you remember that it's not about you. Ultimately, it's not about you. It's about Jesus. It's about his glory. It's about furthering his kingdom. It's about inspiring people to know him. Come on. Yeah. Yeah, when you walk out of these doors today, you should be on fire for people. Like, man, there should be tons of hearts in the lobby next week. There should be. It's not about us. You win the season you're in when you realize it's not about you. When you keep Jesus and the people that he surrounded you with as a priority, you'll do just fine. You will. You'll crush the season you're in. And that's a good thing, if you don't know. You crush it. That's a good thing. That's what we say. Man, you crushed it. Uh, okay, number four, rely on God. You and I are broken vessels. Did you know? We're messed up says in verse 7, but we have this treasure in jars of clay, that's us, to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not us. Ooh, yeah, come on, rely on God. Come on. We're hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around our body the death of Jesus, so the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. The gospel of Christ is a valuable treasure. Do we treat it that way? If you won the lottery and you knew nobody was going to rob you of it, wouldn't you tell people? <laughs> I would. I'd be like, yo! I don't even play the lottery. You got to play to win, apparently. But, <laughs> but if Publishers Clearinghouse came to my door and they were like, it's you, man. Here's a big, get the big check. I'd be telling people. Or, or they'd just know. They'd be like, oh, he's looking fancy. <laughs> what happened to him? <laughs> the gospel of Christ, it's a valuable treasure. But it's communicated by broken human beings. These broken vessels were fragile clay vessels. The divine contrast of these verses is that God's power might be manifested in human fragility. God's power might be manifested in our brokenness. And the Lord echoes this statement later in, in 2 Corinthians when, he, when, when Paul is asking for the thorn to be removed from his flesh, right? And, and what does God say? He says, my power is perfected in your weakness. In your brokenness, in your humanity, God's power is perfect. It's perfect. The gospel's a treasure that we all need to carry. 
We have to rely on him. It's through his power that we can communicate the gospel, right? When we try in our own strength, we come up short every time. Even if you feel like you got an earthly success, if you do it in your own strength, it's probably not what it could have been with the power of God behind it. So look, whatever season you're in, if you're in a hard season, if you're in a season where you feel like you can't really do it, good. Yeah? Because Lord, your power is perfected in my weakness. God, I can't do this. I need you to come through. Amen? If we're not living on the edge, then maybe we're a little too comfortable. If you don't have to rely on God, that's not a good place to be in. Yeah? Maybe the season he's placed you in is to remind you that you need to rely on him. Full-hearted obedience on him. Come on, rely on God. No matter what you're facing, rely on God. His power is perfected in your weakness. All right, we're going to keep going. How are we doing on time? We're doing good. Well, we're doing really good. I'm getting right through this. Man, it's amazing. You might even eat lunch before your stomach starts telling you you need it. Who knows? I don't know. We'll see. Who knows? No promises. Number six, rejoice in grace. All of this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Are you thankful? Are you? Amen. Thanksgiving. Man, it's such an important thing. And it's important that we do it more than once a year. It really is. I feel like when you have a thankful attitude, it kind of just changes everything about your life. It really does. When you're going through seasons of war or seasons of peace, seasons you can't control, when you're thankful, it may not change the season, but it'll change you. Yeah? Man, rejoicing. We all have the grace of God placed upon us. If you're a Christian, you got the grace of God on you. Guess what? If you're not a Christian, you still have the grace of God on you. You have breath in your lungs. You live in his world with all the splendor of his glory around you. That's the grace of God. The grace of God is upon you. Your life is filled with it. You know, when you're in a hard season, does your heart cry out, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits? Just like David, like the psalmist. That was Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not his benefits. When you remember what God has done, it's easy to rejoice. When you remember the grace you've been given, it's no problem. It's no problem to come in here on a Sunday morning and lift your hands and say, Lord Jesus, you can have it all. He wants it all. He wants your hurt. He wants your glory. He wants your victories. He wants your failures. He wants you to just give it to him. And when he places his grace upon you, you need to rejoice. In every season, rejoicing should be the language of the people of God. And when rejoicing is your confession, it actually guards your spirit. Do you hear me? When rejoicing is your confession, when you say, Lord, I have so much to thank you for. Thank you for this. Thank you for this. Thank you for this. When rejoicing is your confession, it guards your spirit. It guards your heart. It protects you. Philippians 4, 
4 through 7 says, rejoice in the Lord always. So that's kind of a non-negotiable. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. He said it again. Let your reasonableness be known to everybody. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, that's more rejoicing, that's the third time in this passage he says to rejoice, let your requests be made known to God. And what does it say in verse 7? And, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You know what and means in the Greek there? It means and. It means therefore. It means and then. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. Come on, guys. I did a Greek word study for you. Look, the peace of God for your season, when you don't have peace, the peace of God for your season comes after rejoicing. Amen? The peace of God for your season comes after rejoicing. The peace of God for your season comes after thanksgiving. And then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. Rejoicing protects your spirit. It does. So no matter where you're at, no matter what's going on, you have a reason to thank God. You have a reason to give him praise. And when you do, it's like putting on the armor of God. It is. It protects your heart. Because it's easy for our hearts to get bitter. It's easy for our hearts to grow sour. Um, how old am I? Am I 31? I'm 31. You start forgetting. Past, past 25, I had my midlife crisis. I was like, it's over. My glory days. <laughs> no, but you stopped counting, I think. Uh, well, I have. I've stopped counting. But I'm 31, and there have been times where my heart has been sour. And some people would probably be like, you're too young to be sour about stuff. We're all too young to be sour about stuff. We're the people of God. We need to be rejoicing about stuff. And when we rejoice for what he's done, it protects us. Amen? Rejoice in grace. Come on. All right. Number seven, renew your inner person. What do I mean? Your spirit. Renew your spirit. Therefore, do not lose heart. Though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. Anybody experience that? I started getting back pain for the first time in my life. <laughs> oh, it's, it's like been lingering since the last job I had. I get that. Oh, man, I cannot wait for my new body, my glorified body. I'd be like, yes, in Jesus' name, muscles in Jesus' name. <laughs> oh, it's okay to laugh in the house of God, just so you know. <laughs> you can smile. <laughs> it's a place of joy. Amen. 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 Though outwardly we are wasting away, inwardly we're being renewed day by day. Amen. How's your heart? Something my wife and I ask each other all the time. How's your heart? Be in the car, be a little quiet in the car. Somebody just goes, how's your heart? Something my brother and I ask each other over the phone. Are you discouraged? How's your heart? Something me and my closest friends ask each other. How you doing? How's your spirit? How's your heart? 
You've got to renew your inner person all the time. All the time. We're wasting away outwardly. Breaking news. The world is corrupt. It's broken. It's hurting. We get old. We feel pain. Should the Lord tarry, we're going to leave this earth, right? If he doesn't come back, I'm going. (laughs) Yeah? But we're always supposed to be renewed inwardly. The message, the narrative is not the same on the inside as it is on the outside. We're seemingly on the outside, we're getting worse and worse. Maybe our glory days are behind us, like me when I hit 25. (laughs) You know what I mean? But on the inside, I should be getting better and better every day. And who does that renewing work? It's God, right? It's God. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not conform to the patterns of the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. You win the season you're in when you do what God says. When you do what God says versus what the world says. That can be hard sometimes, right? Worldly wisdom will tell you one thing, and it looks good, and it probably is fine, but it's not best, the best. It's not what God has you has for you. Renewing your mind starts by obeying God, being obedient to God, being obedient to God and not conforming to the patterns of the world. It goes hand in hand with renouncing our old ways, right? You renounce the world and you're transformed by God. You're renewed by him. Renew your inner self by speaking to yourself. Remember David, bless the Lord, O my soul. That does something to you. It gives him glory and honor and praise, but it does something to you on the inside. Man, bless the Lord, O my soul. Count it all joy when you face persecutions of many kind, right? Do we actually do that? Or is it just like advice for somebody that's not going to listen? Oh, man, that's kind of hard. But look, be renewed. Renew your inner person. You've always got to keep check of your heart. Guard your heart, for it's the wellspring of life, right? Everything you do, the Bible says, flows from it. If you're rotten on the inside, you're going to be rotten on the outside. Renew your heart. Renew your inner person. All right, number eight. We're getting close to the end. Remember eternity. It says in verse 17 and 18, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Maybe you're really going through it today. Maybe you're just displeased with the way that life looks. But your current situation is not in charge of your future destination. Amen? Whatever you're going through, your current situation is not in charge of your future destination. We have an eternal hope. We do. We have an eternal hope. We have an eternal glory. You know, back to Solomon in Ecclesiastes. Solomon, he he keeps echoing this phrase and he keeps going, meaningless, meaningless, meaningless. Everything is meaningless. And whenever I read it, I'm like super depressed. I'm like, this is so depressing. Why is this wisdom literature? What are we talking about? Meaningless, meaningless. Well, 
we actually did a word study on this one. And uh, the word for meaningless is hevel. Hevel. Can you say hevel? Hevel. Hevel. And hevel, it can mean meaningless. Hevel can mean um, worthless. Or it can be vanity in some translations. He's like, vanity, vanity, vanity. Right? Hevel can also mean vapor. Vapor. Here today, gone tomorrow. Something I can see, but I can't take hold of. Hevel, hevel, hevel. This world is vapor. Everything is vapor. Everything is within reach, but I can't grab hold of it. Man, I like that better than meaningless. We know that there's more to this life than the vapor that it is. We're here today, we're gone tomorrow, and we're not even guaranteed tomorrow. God has placed eternity in the hearts of mankind. We sense it even before we know him. Don't forget it when you're going through the seasons of your life. Don't forget eternity. Your actions have reverberations throughout eternity. They do. How would you live if you thought like that? How would you live if you were like, eternity's at stake? Eternity, forever. This life is a vapor. It's here today, gone tomorrow. Some of the things that we think really matter, they don't ultimately really matter, right? You begin to learn that in life. And when you put your spiritual eyes on, you realize that all of life really, it's hevel, it's a vapor. Paul also says in Romans 8.18, he says, I consider our present sufferings not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. Remember Paul, he said that ministry was suffering and comfort. That's what he's talking to the Corinthians about. Ministry is suffering and it's comfort. The comfort is in eternity. The comfort is in the eternal reward. The comfort is in the fact that God's kingdom come can happen right now on this earth. Which one are you focused on? Are you focused on like the vapor of life, the stuff that's really going to be gone tomorrow? Or are you focused on eternity? The actions of your life have eternal consequences. Don't forget eternity. There's more to everything you do. When you remember eternity, you won't forget to live this life on purpose. That means every season, the good, the bad, the ugly, you won't forget to live it on purpose. God has created you with eternal purpose. Amen? The plan of salvation was always in the mind of God, and you were always a part of that plan. He wanted you to be the recipients of that plan. Okay, I got one more. It's a bonus point. Uh, This would be like the ninth one, I think. (laughs) It's a lot, right? Have you been taking notes? If not, you could just get on YouTube and write notes afterwards. Just watch it again. If you need to pick me up. Resolve to press on. Verse 16 said, therefore we do not lose heart. Has anybody been discouraged or downcast lately? 
Yeah, it's okay. You can raise your hand. We'll pray for you. Yeah, me too. We've got to decide we're in this no matter what. Right? God has given us a ministry. We're in it no matter what. Solomon says, there's a time for every action under heaven and earth. He lists all this stuff. There's a time for love. There's a time for hate. Really? Um, (laughs) All this stuff. But he never says there's a time for quitting. And as Christians, we know there's not a time for quitting. There's not a time to lose heart. There's not a time to give up. Resolve today in your heart to press on. Resolve today. Decide in this moment God's not finished with you. No matter what comes, God's not finished with you. There's something he wants to do in you in this season. And all you have to do is not count yourself out. Don't lose heart. Man, I love the end of that verse. After verse 16, wait, no. It's in verse 7, verse 7 through 9. It says, this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We're hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. You're still in it. You're still in it. You're alive. You woke up today. God has something for you to do. Maybe you're not like going to be a construction foreman and build a house or anything, but maybe you do need to intercede for somebody. Maybe your prayer is the difference. Live with hopeful expectation that the life God has given you is not to be wasted. You're still here. He has something for you to do. Resolve to press on. Don't give up. Don't lose heart. Be encouraged today. Crushed but not destroyed, amen? You're still in this. We're all in this. Thanks for joining us at Whitechapel Church Online. We pray that today's sermon blessed you and that you continue to join us as we lean into God's word together. Until next time, have a great week and be blessed.